This is recording number 10761 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This is the third message in the Jesus Was 30-something series by Randy Bolt. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 27, 2008. This message is titled, The Missing Mentors. We're in the midst of the third week, actually, of a series of messages called Jesus Was 30-something. And we are focusing in on the uh, particular issues, some of the, some of the particular issues and needs that Generation X experiences or is experiencing that Jesus uh, and his life and ministry addresses, I believe, in a very uh, unique and particular way. And I don't, don't think for a moment... I don't think for a moment that this is contrived on my part. Now, the life and ministry of Jesus is universal. I mean, what, what, he, what he said and he did and th- 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 applies to all of us and so broadly and generally that all of us this morning, whether you're a part of those who were born between 1965 and 1980 or not, I believe God wants to speak something to us. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother. But And so the, so the life and ministry of Jesus addresses all of us in a broad and universal way. But at the same time, I don't believe for a moment that it wasn't in God's heart who knows all things and, for, and dwells outside of time, who has an eternal perspective on everything, that when Jesus was moving through his life and exampling everything that we would ever need to know about how to, how to navigate life... I don't believe for a moment that he wasn't thinking about Generation X that would come, those born between 1965 and 1980. I I believe that God had that in mind. And so uh, we can find things in his life that address uh, those those issues in particular. So we have been looking at um, four, actually today the third of four, uh, particular uh, issues. The first was the secret sorrow. We talked about depression. The second, last week, we talked about the search for significance. And today, we're going to be dealing with um, the missing mentors, talking about that, and then finish it up next week with the hunger for home. So, uh, the missing mentors. <clears throat> Now, I think all of us have at least some sort of a functional idea of what we mean when we use the term mentor, but what really is a mentor? And I I made a list of just some things. I'm sure you could come up with others, but to me, a mentor is someone who extends an invitation of relationship to another, usually a younger person. Jim, this is still ringing, so if you turn that down a little bit. Uh, a person who instructs others in what they have learned, who models and inspires others, who provides opportunities, willing, is willing to delegate and give a person a shot, um, and in doing so, risking failure themselves. You know, when a, when a mentor or a, a discipler uh, provides an opportunity for, and, and you know, I guess the, the the simplest way to, to think about this, and when you see it in Jesus' life, you go, oh, yeah, that's how it ought to work. What you do is you teach, 
and model, and then you uh, let your disciple do what you do while you observe, and then you give them feedback on how well they did, and then you go off and train someone else and leave them to do it. That's kind of the, the discipleship model that Jesus followed and, and uh, kind of works for all of us. But when you do that as a discipler or a mentor, you are risking failure yourself. What if your student, what if the person that you're mentoring screws up? You're going to be the one who's... Uh, who's on the line for that screw-up. And so there's a risk of a willingness to risk personal failure to, to ensure that someone else's well-being and future is established. And another thing that mentors do is that, as I've already mentioned, they observe and provide correction. Uh, they validate and encourage uh, they express commitment. I'm, I'm in this with you. I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, and they believe and boast in their disciples or the ones that they're mentor- mentoring. And they also are willing to defend those that they are, are mentoring or, or teaching or leading. So those are some of the things that I think a mentor is. And I think it goes without saying that we all long for somebody like that, don't we? Don't we want to have, isn't there something inside of you and me that just wishes that we had somebody who would, who would take that kind of interest in us and not just leave us alone to sort of figure all this stuff out? I remember my son two years ago. I was, most of you know that uh, in the spring and the fall, I make a one-week trip to Taiwan to teach in a ministry school there. I'm going again in two weeks and so it's on my mind as I prepare for that. And by the way, I'm, I'm just so excited now because I've been going and doing this long enough that some of my former students are now serving as missionaries in mainland China. And that really excites me a lot since, uh, you know, it's, uh, the church there is, for, for most intents and purposes, outlawed and underground. So anyway, I'm excited about that. But two years ago when I was getting ready to leave for the fall trip, my son called me. He was 25 then. And he said, Dad, I'd love to go with you. And I offered, I said, well, it would be fun because uh, Sue couldn't make it with me on that trip. I said, I'd love to have some company. In fact, why don't you bring your wife along? And he said, no, I, I just want it to be the two of us. And I, I honestly, when I was 25 years old, the last thing I wanted to do was go anywhere with my dad. And so the fact that he wanted to do that just blew my mind. But, you know, we... Uh, we uh, talked about it some, and he told me, he said, I just want to observe what you do and how you do it and um, how, you, how you live your life, how you minister now as a young man myself. I, I want, I need, I need your uh, mentoring. That moved me a lot. But I, I also, one of the reasons it moved me is because I, I know that feeling, that longing, that desire. And I thank God that I have personally had the benefit of a number of um, mentors. And one of them in particular was my, my, the man who I consider to be my pastor. His name is Ralph Moore. Now, he's not that much older than me. He's probably, I don't know, uh, I guess uh, maybe five or six years older than me. He's probably pushing 60 now. I'm, uh, I'm 53, so don't get that math wrong, all right? So... Um, but when I was uh, 16 and really just really wanting to, to follow God and, and uh, he, the Lord arranged for us to, to meet and he just, you know, without any fanfare or without any, 
you know, um, anything really in me that would have attracted him or whatever. He just decided to pour into my life. Now, that meant that he was in his uh, early 20s with a young family, a brand new church that he had just pioneered, plenty of other things to do. And yet, he gave me the focus of his uh, discipling and mentoring for a period of years that changed my life. I told you about my barber who was also a mentor to, to, to me when I was in, uh, in junior high. But, but my, my pastor, Ralph Moore, came along at that very insignificant shaping period of my life. And so much of who I am and, and what I am as a pastor is a result of that man's input to me. I'm so, so thankful to God. And there are others I could talk about. But I think there's something in each of us that longs for uh, a mentor. Um, when it comes to Generation X, that's not any less true. But the problem is that um, the previous generation that I'm a part of, the boomers that were born between 45 and 64, um, we decided that, I'm, I'm not even really sure how this came about, but we as a generation decided we, don't want, we didn't want anything to do with anything the previous generation had to to pass on to us. In fact, one of our mottos was don't trust anyone over 30. <laughs> and uh, it's sad. It's really, really sad because we did not benefit from, those who, from the wisdom and the stability and the insights of those who went before. In fact, we would not pay attention. We didn't want anything of what they had to share, for, share with us. We revolted and resisted and rebelled against that. We were determined to make our own way. We were so self-absorbed that we would rather make macrame plant hangers than hang out with our elders and learn how to, how to live, you know. And so the problem is uh, gener Generation X uh, comes along behind a group of people who know nothing, nothing about how to pass the baton. And we've done such a poor job of it. We've really, really screwed this up. And, um, you know, and we're paying a price for it. Uh, in almost every arena of, of you know, culture, politics, Entertainment, we're paying a huge price for it. Because what lessons, what few lessons we, my generation, the boomers, did learn as we've kind of, you know, patched together our lives, we didn't pass on. And so um, uh, Xers are, are having to, to uh, thrash about without the guidance that they should have received from us. And so that's left a void and a vacancy, I believe, in the hearts and, and lives of many people who are, who are part of Generation X, not to mention the, the rest of us. But we have, as, as in every area of life, we have Jesus as our example. Now, I don't want to make more of this than, it sh than I should. I, I don't want to uh, I don't, I don't try to force this example to places that it shouldn't go, but I want you to think with me about the life of Jesus. Because sometimes we get this confused. Jesus was completely God. He's the second person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't have time to, 
to teach on the subject of, if I had a week, I wouldn't have a time to teach on the subject of the Trinity. But three co-equal, three as one. Not three gods, but three as one. Jesus was the second uh, person of the Trinity. So he has always been and always will be God, part of the Godhead. So as he uh, uh, took on flesh and walked among us, he was God, and, and, you know, 100% God. But he was also 100% man. The Bible says he was the son of God and the son of man. That's the only way he could be our sacrifice if he, uh, unless he was truly tempted in all points like we are and was, and was successful in living a righteous life. That's the only way he could pay the penalty for our sin. Otherwise, it would just be a sham. But it wasn't a sham because he was truly human in every sense of that word. So well, I want you to think about the fact that Jesus, his, uh, uh, his role model um, in terms of his humanity, the primary role, role model in terms of his humanity was Joseph. Just like the primary role models in each of our lives, it's intended by God to be your mom and dad. They're your first and foremost role models. They should be the primary mentors and disciples, disciplers of our lives. They often aren't, but that's how it was intended. Joseph was Jesus' primary human role model, and yet somewhere between his 12th birthday and about the age that we find him in the Gospels in his ministry in his early 30s, somewhere in that time frame, he lost Joseph. We don't know exactly what happened to him, but apparently he died. He could have spent, so theoretically, he could have spent 20 years of the early years of his shaping uh, life on into his early adulthood without an earthly father figure. So he certainly knows what it's like to, ha- be, to feel somewhat adrift in the world without the kind of compass and bearing that mentors and disciplers bring to our lives. And so Jesus, I believe, is a, is a legitimate example for us to look at with regard to how we can um, have... Uh, this longing that each of us has in our lives for that kind of, of a mentor, Jesus can be our example. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 11. I'm sorry, but we, we, we didn't read from, <laughs> from the passage I first sent you to. John chapter 5. We're going to, we are going to John, uh, Matthew chapter 11. John chapter 5, however, shows us the, the way that Jesus came to find the Heavenly Father as, as the, the mentor in his life. So verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. 
that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And we see in these verses an incredible picture of this mentoring, mentor, discipling, disciple relationship between the Father and Son. It says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And that the Father showed him, showed the Son, all things. It even talks about how he released to him the the, uh, judgment. He said the Father is not going to be judging anyone. He's committed that that task or that responsibility to the Son. All of this is is, uh, just a beautiful picture of how God uh, wants to be ultimately our mentor and discipler. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Because we all have a mentor. Whether you feel somewhat abandoned by those who should have or could have offered you that kind of discipling, that kind of leadership in your life, we all have a mentor. (coughs) Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you ever felt like you were just slugging it out in life alone? Let me give you one example from my own life. I remember when I, the first time um, I bought a house. I had, I, I had no idea where you begin. Where do you begin? How do you hire an, a real estate agent? Uh, how do you get a loan? Not to mention, how do you pay for the loan? Uh, all of these things, you know, what about property taxes and, and uh, home uh, uh, insurance, homeowner's insurance? I had, no, I had no idea where to begin with this process. And no one had ever sat down and talked to me. And I had no one to go to. And that's just one little, you know, simple kind of practical example of where there ought to be people in our lives to show us the way in these kinds of things. You know, as a, I've, I think I've told you this before, but after going through that kind of, of thing in my own life and trying to hack together my my own uh, 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 debris uh, into, some fa- into some sort of order in my life, I, re- I decided, you know, I'm going to do a better job with my own kids. And I don't mean to say that my parents didn't do the best job that they, that they could and that they weren't available to me, but I, again, I was part of the generation that didn't want to hear what they had to say. So it's not their fault. But I decided I was going to do the best that I could to be a mentor in my kids' life. And I remember, you know, with each of them, I got them when they were probably, I don't know, 16 or 17 or just, you know, when they got their first job. You know, I sat down with them and I began a process every, every month when I would sit down and pay our bills or go through our family finances. I'd have them sit by me and watch me do it. So that they get an idea of how you budget, how you, you know, you know, who, who, how you decide who gets paid this month and who doesn't, you know, and um, how do you write a check, and you know, how do you handle a credit card and things like that, and 
And when they, when they have gone on to, to purchase their first homes, you know, I made myself available to them to help them to walk through the, you know, here's what you do and here's what to look out for and that kind of thing. And, and you know, that's just, like I said, a simple example, but uh, all of us need to have, all of us long to have mentors in our life, not to mention the most important arena of all of life, which is spirituality and our relationship with God. But we all have a mentor. We know what it's like in verse 28 that Jesus describes, Come to me, all you who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden. We know what it's like to be slugging it out on our own. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. When he talks about this yoke, He's using a term that everybody he was addressing there would have understood. That uh, spir- religious leaders, spiritual leaders in those days, rabbis and, and teachers, uh, their, their um, doctrine or their set of, of you know, how they live their life as spiritual men and women was called their yoke. And so he's inviting us to come into his yoke, to become his Disciples, his mentors, his followers, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I love the fact that he says, because I'm meek and lowly of heart, I'm not going to burn you. How many of you have ever had someone in your life that has taken advantage of a position of, of uh, leadership that you've offered to them or accepted from them? Jesus will never do that. He is our example and he is our mentor. Finally, the last thing I want to say this morning about this subject before I I turn you loose is that it's not just enough to know that you and I have someone we can go to and and have uh, find the answer to that longing of our souls for someone who will guide us, who will help to to shape our lives. We have that, but that's not enough. We need to become mentors ourselves. And I'm particularly addressing myself to those who are part of Generation X. You did not receive shaping or modeling in the, in the way that um, you should have. And so your, your potential for uh, not doing a good job of passing the baton to those who come after you is very high. So part of what I'm talking about today is directed at that issue and I'm inviting you to change this course, change this um, pattern. Become mentors. First to your children. Second to those, anyone that you can find. And I mean that. Your neighbor, somebody you work with, any place that anyone that God has brought into your life, see those people as potential um, as people of potential that you could pass something on to because the Lord himself has called each of us to be those kinds of men and women. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says these words, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now, we all have a lot of respect for the Apostle Paul, so it, it doesn't really disturb us too much to hear him say this, but doesn't that sound rather arrogant? Imitate me. 
just as I also imitate Christ. Rather bold statement he's making. But the Apostle Paul was just a man like you and me. He was not some sort of angelic creature. He wasn't divine in any way. He was just a person like you and me. But he got this. He understood that this is an incredibly important part of being a follower of Christ, to be one who passes on what we've learned. And, and we make ourselves available to be used by him to disciple others. 